Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest family-owned local craft brewery, dispensary, and eateries, located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. And this week we have an amazing episode. I say that often, but I'm going to go with absolutely amazing this time. We have the queen of Maryland craft beer, as dubbed by uh, our guest, so it's indisputable. Uh, she's also the writer and proprietor of, of Maptown fi- Pine. <laughs> yes, welcome to my fine establishment online. Liz Murphy. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for coming out. Of course. And we're extremely happy to have Comptroller of Maryland, Peter Francho, and craft beer champion or hero in studio. Well, I'm the chief regulator of craft beer, and I'm a fair, vigilant regulator, but thank you, Chris, for saying that, because I cannot imagine a more innovative, entrepreneurial group of manufacturers than these young owners of these craft breweries, and uh, I'm delighted to be with you. I know you're getting into the spirits sector now, so you're kind of broadening your perspective, but uh, I appreciate the podcast that you've done. Liz Murphy, you're right, is royalty as far as uh, (laughs) beer goes in Maryland, and uh, I really appreciate her participation on the uh, Reform on Tap task force that we have and the expertise that she brings in promoting what I believe is uh, one of the great sectors of our economy. So that um, one of the, uh, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about was reform on tap, um, and I guess first we could just start high level. And as you said, Liz is also a part of the task force. Uh, what were your goals when you started the task force? Well, we were coming off the legislative session where the legislators, many of them. Uh, unintentionally had put a knife right in the back of the craft brewing industry. Uh, These wonderful craft brewers came to the legislature, as I recall, and said, could you please allow us to uh, sell more of the beer we produce at our own tap rooms? Kind of seemed like America to me, right? Capitalism, (laughs) you you produce a really good product and you've got people sitting in your tap room and uh, you want to sell it to them uh, and they'll buy it. That kind of sounds like the free enterprise system to me. Well, that quickly got turned into a, uh, we're really powerful down here in Annapolis by a few uh, well-connected lobbyists who represented the big alcohol interests, and they turned it into something that, uh, frankly, was a real threat to the uh, craft industry in Maryland. Uh, It got amended. I'm not going to go into all the details. It got amended, and is a little bit better for the uh, uh, incumbent uh, businesses that are here, craft brewers, but it clearly has put up a big neon sign on the borders of Maryland saying uh, to the rest of the country, if you're interested in craft beer, don't come to Maryland. We don't want you. You're not welcome. And so that was uh, the genesis of the uh, reform on TAP task force because uh, I am pretty determined to uh, make Maryland within a few years the number one go-to state in the country where craft brewers in North Carolina and Oregon and California and all over the country that uh, want to make their product and have a state that supports them and appreciates them and welcomes them come to Maryland because 
we we are really going to um well, as I said, we're going to do a full colonoscopy on the beer uh, <laughs> laws, and uh, we're going to get rid of the uh, the items that mostly protect the monopolies. Uh, they don't really do anything for consumers or protecting the citizens' health, as people normally think of regulations. These are regulations that are mind-boggling in the way in which they get in the way of free enterprise. So. To the extent we can get rid of some of those and then uh, be able to advertise the state as uh, a place that these new, young, generally, entrepreneurs can come and uh, they're free to make their product and sell it. Yeah. I think yeah. colonoscopy is, is a really good word for it because yeah. it, it's <laughs> what struck me about the conversations during the task force is that they oftentimes are uncomfortable, but I think they're extremely necessary. Yeah, I'm not. I, I've I haven't attended any of them, but I watch the Facebook lives of them often, and you can feel the tension sometimes through well, the uh, computer that's screen. All upsetting to people who believe, as I do, that this is a uh, something that needs some really significant changes, and it needs some significant uh, high-powered um, uh, push to get us to where we need to be. Uh, right now, we're near the bottom of the country as far as being a state that if you wanted to, right now, de, de novo, start a brewery, uh, Maryland would have all sorts of question marks around it. So to take us from almost dead last to number one or two in the country is, uh, you know, it's going to take some focus and some passion. And <coughs> you're right, the task force have been open to the public. We have uh, everybody represented. The conversations sometimes are a little frosty and tense. But I keep reminding uh, people that believe in what we're doing. And when I say people that believe in what we're doing, I'm talking about 95% of the public because this is a very popular sector. And there are a small number of people that create a, a lot of tension over it. I remind them that the task force is not a democracy. I'm not, uh, I'm the head of it. Yeah. It's my task force. And yes, we're getting input from everybody, but we're not going to have a vote at the end as to, gee, what are we in favor of or not? Uh, it's going to be the recommendations are going to be based on the information we gather, and it's going to be in favor of the state becoming a great state for, for breweries. And by definition, and by uh, transition, it also will spill over into the distilleries and the wineries that also have been subject to these crazy, complicated, contradictory, ridiculous legis uh, legislative impediments at the state level and also at the county levels. So you, you had mentioned the the legislation that kicks it, kicked it all off, HB 1283. When it came out of the House, it was definitely very... Um, negative towards breweries. They weren't happy with it at all. Um, and then through the amendments in the Senate, it didn't go to where brewers wanted to be, but they did get some things back um, and got a little bit closer to where they wanted to be. Do you think that was that change? Was it just the opinions of the people in the Senate? Or was it the outcry from the citizens of Maryland, because a couple of the senators I talked to said that they heard a lot 
from their constituents. Well, they should have heard a lot because what came out is, of the House was a travesty. And uh, I can't believe that the uh, everybody in the House let it go through in the shape that was in. But, but they did. Uh, I mean, let's just set the context here. The brewers, these are craft brewers. These are not Budweiser and Miller and the big guys uh, all over the country. These are small, independent breweries that have developed and grown uh, in the state, and we have about 80 of them in all the different classes. They, the Class 5 licensees basically came and said, look, we, uh, to the legislature, we don't, need, we don't want you to give us money, which is what almost 100% of everybody coming to Annapolis wants. <laughs> uh, so, and we don't need any special favors. We just want you to let us make our beer and sell it to the public. And they ended up with this um, real hatchet job of a bill that, came, as you mentioned, came out of the House yeah, there was a big brouhaha about the uh, bill when it got to the Senate, and there was a lot of then input from the citizens, thank goodness, because I think that softened it up. There were also a few legislators, like Senator Young, who is local to Frederick County, who stood up and said, uh, this is not right, and uh, we need to, we're, we're better off uh, just giving the, the craft brewers what they wanted, which was almost nothing, and uh let's go home but instead they ended up with something that uh, grandfathered in the existing breweries but applies new uh, operating hours and things like that to the tap rooms of any brewers that would uh, be uh, unconscious I guess uh, and actually want to move into Maryland right now to open a brewery so we're going to have to change that and uh, it's not going to be easy because the the, f the forces that uh, have produced the state's uh, laws on alcohol, and we're talking about four or five volumes of law because everything and their cousin is regulated, and it's also reflected at the county level in an unbelievable barnacle-filled uh, set of regulations. Which, so thankfully, I'm happy to say that Frederick is making efforts to... Um, simplify the laws and liquor control um, to yeah, make it more friendly. Yeah, I was just this morning with uh, Council Member uh, Jerry, is it Douglas or Jerry, uh, forget his last name, he represents over in the Middleton area on the county yeah. council, and he was talking about Frederick County is really going to, uh, like us, take a brush cutter through the regulations and get rid of the ones that are simply there to protect not the public, but protect the existing uh, powers right. and uh, make sure that they don't have any competition. Well, that's ridiculous. Liz, thank you for serving on the task force. <laughs> of course. I know you have to bite your lip sometimes, and uh, when you're listening to folks that uh, you just strongly disagree with, but seriously, we're going to deliver a great package come November, and uh, maybe I can get you to take a look at it at Naptown Pint because that uh... <laughs> I'd be happy to look at it. what I what I find fascinating about it though is that when I when I look at Maryland uh, on the whole you know because what I hear about Frederick County that's great but it's in a pocket and that's I think where some of the dysfunction does enter into the picture of a lot of what sometimes happens at a state level doesn't necessarily always trickle down uniformly because it depends on how the county decides to legislate about it, which makes it challenging, I think, not only from the legislative perspective, but also when you're looking at brewers who have to be able to advocate for themselves. 
you know, because they don't necessarily always have, they're not all playing by the same playbook. Yeah. yeah. So it becomes even more confusing because if they're talking to each other for advice, like if you're just over the border from one county to the other, there could be very different regulations or things oh, yeah. you have to follow. Well, you know those ads that you see on the TV all the time, particularly on cable, about how New York is a great state to move up to if you've got a manufacturing business. Uh, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I enjoy looking at the ads and seeing it. We're going to have that same kind of campaign around Maryland uh, once we get everything straightened out. And uh, it's going to be, uh, we want you to come here. We want you to make your products. Uh, we don't want to bog you down in these uh, crazy briar patch of regulations. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to incentivize you in a hundred different ways. I mean, we just had a tax-free shopping week in August for uh, people buying clothes and shoes. Remember that? It's a very yeah. successful week. We turned one of the worst uh, shopping weeks of the year into one of the best shopping weeks by forgiving the 6% sales tax. What if we forgave the 9% alcohol tax on Maryland Crafted Alcohol for a week? I would. Boy. I would buy a lot. The point is there are uh, lots of Liz Murphys in Delaware, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, D.C., and uh, Virginia. I'm so sorry for the world. Over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could, could uh, you know, in other words, there are lots of ways in which we can promote the sector, but we've got to have the confidence of, uh, of the uh, folks. Like Attaboy, you have a hat on, Attaboy Beer, uh, Chris which is one of my favorite places. And I think Carly and Brian, are they the owners? Yes. Yeah, what a great family. And uh, you go in and have one of the Carly does not bite her tongue during the meetings. No. Well, she shouldn't. <laughs> and I love the passion, yeah. and frankly, because uh, she reflects reality. Yeah. Everybody they, else is kind of sugar-coated things. And well, and they were someone that had a lot to lose. They packed up, moved across the country to build their business in Maryland under a certain set of laws and then almost had that rug ripped completely out from under them. Well, the other thing I think too, because I, I spoke with them recently about this and I Carly said to me something that I thought was exceptionally insightful, which was, I asked her, you know, if you had, if the timeline of when you were coming to Maryland had been pushed into the future a bit, mm -hmm. And this all started going down while you were considering putting your brewery in Maryland. Would that impact your decision to come here? I mean, the, and the answer is obvious. Absolutely. You know, it, it does make you pause. It does make you think. So it makes me wonder how many Carly's and Brian's are out there who are young entrepreneurs who want to start their own business are out there looking at it going, well, I guess I'll just go to Virginia instead. Because that does happen. And I'm trying to think, what would Chris and I have done if we hadn't had Galaxy-made beer to sip on this summer? Because, uh, you know, there's a great new summer IPA that they produced. Okay, so I, I, I don't want to get down in the weeds on all this stuff, uh, but your listeners uh, should realize that the state has a great opportunity to really put itself on the map with uh, not just in our state, but in our, not just our region, but the entire country. Uh, because we can, uh, instead of being skeptical about the craft brewing industry, we can embrace it. And that's yeah. what I intend to uh, suggest that the state does. 
people say, well, you're the controller and, you know, what can you do? And, well, I remember a couple of years ago when I started That was talking, actually going to be one of my questions. About, uh, <laughs> I started talking about school after Labor Day. Mm -hmm. And the same skeptics were there saying that I was uh, crying in the wilderness, a lone voice. Well, now it's the law of the land. <laughs> so one of, one of the hot button items has been franchise law as it applies to uh, breweries and their relationships with distributors. Um, are you in favor with just getting rid of that altogether or just drastically reducing the amount of notice that a brewery has to give a uh, distributor that they want to break their contract? Well, we're gathering information, but you know, to all your listeners out there, I mean, come on, give me a break. If you get married to someone, uh, and uh, the whole thing falls apart, don't you think it's appropriate to have laws that permit divorces? You don't have to stay married to some weirdo like me all your life. <laughs> you, can, you can say, sorry, it's just not working out. I'm getting out of here. Well, the franchise laws in Maryland uh, don't allow for that for these craft brewers. They have to sign up with someone, and then essentially, uh, particularly the smaller ones, uh, they don't have a choice. They have to kind of uh, stick with the person they signed up with. That's wrong. Uh, those franchise laws may have had a place back in the 1930s and 1940s. They don't anymore. What exactly we will propose is still being looked at by all the experts. Uh, we don't want to be a bull in a china shop. On the other hand, uh, they're pretty bad right now, and I think everybody realizes it. And I keep emphasizing here, uh, we are in favor of the free enterprise system. We're in favor of capitalism. We're in favor of a system that you, you may not like, may have flaws. It's, you know, it rewards competition. It rewards hard work. Uh, it's uh, as the income inequality in the country indicates, there are some unfairness about our system, but it is a genius of a system. It, and we should let it work in this area and not let the monopolies come in and strangle the uh, little guys. Uh, and now it's gotten to the point, Liz, I, I know you uh, have observed this, in Annapolis, uh, it's not even the uh, the legislators don't really do anything. They're just, they just do what the lobbyists tell them to do. And I think that's, you know, pretty unacceptable. And I've said, uh, I think that these uh, liquor lobbyists have way too much power. And one of them was quoted in the paper and saying, well, okay, that's it. I'm a liquor lobbyist and I'm done with the comptroller. <laughs> Most states, it's the regulator who says they're done with the lobbyists, <laughs> not the lobbyist who says they're done with the regulators. So we'll see how that all works out. But it's a very uh, un unfair environment right now in Annapolis. And I think we'll uh, get uh, a lot clearer picture this uh, session in Annapolis. And I think uh, next year in the elections, uh, this issue will be one of the major election issues of the year. Well, I remember back in, sorry to cut you Oh, off. no, you're mm -hmm. fine. Um, back during the, during the legislature, and especially when it went into the Senate, a lot of the problems were, um, or the, the anti-brewery legislation was blamed on 
retailers and wholesalers. And <clears throat> I'm going to try a real graceful segue here into an ad. Oh, um, <laughs> but one of the things that was argued was that uh, brewery tap rooms are taking away business from bars. Um, but I want to take time to thank Roast House Pub, who oh, good. has, Nicely done. has yeah. a what is supposed to need protection from breweries. He has an establishment that is built around, I mean, he makes phenomenal food, so people would go there just for his food, but he has 20 taps. He loves breweries. He's like, and so I, I, I mean, I haven't talked about this specific thing with the owner of Rose House Pub, but I can't imagine he's against, he's for anything that hurts breweries. Um, but to then dive fully into thanking Rose House Pub for supporting us. Uh, not only does he sell Graham, I don't think Graham likes the way I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're graceful he, like a swan, yeah, let it ride. Or, or a hippo, <laughs> one of the two. A drunk yeah. hippo. <laughs> but not only does Rose House Pub serve amazing beer and food, they also have great events like the upcoming, uh, to celebrate National, Ta- National Taco Day, they're having the Oscar Blues Taco Beer Dinner on September 26th. And then on September 28th, they the third iteration of Mom Spaghetti, where they have two breweries come with their mother's uh, spaghetti recipes. And then the people there for the dinner vote on who's better. And this... Mm. this on uh, the spaghetti or the beer? Uh, I think they just vote on the spaghetti. Mm. Um, and this one is with Lancaster Brewing Company and Red Shedman. Nice. Fabulous. Well, I'll, I'm going to definitely stop by the pub. So that you should on your, on your recommendation. The bar and, question, though, is weird. <laughs> and and um, for tickets and additional information, you can go to roasthousepub.com. Do it. And uh, hats off to them. Uh, most of this uh, resistance to change, so to speak, is I think been completely fabricated by these lobbyists who make a living off of representing the retailers and distributors and the big monopolies. I think it's absurd uh, what most of them have been uh, talking about. And, uh, uh, but we have to deal with that mindset that they have. And, uh, but the key is uh, opening up Annapolis, making it more transparent, accountable to the uh, public. And on this issue, uh, we're not talking about a few people that feel strongly about craft brewing. We're talking about 95% of the public that feels strongly that craft brewing is a good sector. And Was that based off of the surveys that you guys have? That's based off of the Francho survey, which is <laughs> my talking to people. And I obviously am a statewide politician. And I've noticed that for some reason I've been able to unite the Hillary Clinton and the Donald Trump voters in a common effort because they keep coming up to me over and over again and say, hey, keep at it. So, yeah, no, the polls show uh, I think it's a little more reasonable, 75 or 85 percent. Yeah, it's definitely uh, overwhelming. The, yeah, the results that have been posted are, have always been overwhelmingly in favor of. Yeah, and funny thing. Why is that? Because uh, we like craft beer. Yeah, it turns and, out. Uh, yeah, and it's good. It's the great it's, equalizer. Yeah, so beer is uh, is, is uh, uniting us, I guess. And But the issue is how do you get something through Annapolis? And that's why I mentioned the 2018 elections that are coming up. 
because you you let the public speak out on something like this and actually uh, reflect their feelings in at the polling areas, and it will uh, you know we're a stimulus response profession uh, in politics because we all like to keep our jobs, and if uh, all of a sudden large numbers of us are being shown the door for an issue like this. Uh, that people can understand, uh, gee, that's that's not good for us. So I think you'll see um, quite a bit of, of attention paid to this during this session, and uh, hopefully uh, it will also be a campaign issue, uh, and that's good because that's how you clean out the back rooms of Annapolis, get rid of all these uh, power power hungry. Uh, individuals who sit there when and I often say to them why do you guys why are you so hostile to beer to the brewers and they the basic response is because we can be nobody we're, we're the people that control the price we write what everybody says in opposition to you Peter we write it in the back rooms and give it to them and I think that's a sad state of affairs, and I think you'll see uh, some changes made in that. But uh, uh, I'm a little, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm very ginned up to pick a word uh, <laughs> because I believe very strongly that it, it's not just this sector that we're going to be standing up for; it's the entire business reputation of the state to the rest of the country. And what we're saying to them is, look, if you have some products or some businesses or something you want to locate in Maryland, we want you to consider us, particularly uh, these, this millennial generation. And here's something that uh, this beer issue carries over into so many other areas. And uh, I think we can compete with uh, California, Oregon, Washington, North Carolina, New York, these other big states that uh, are ahead of us right now. But so, uh, it, it won't be easy. Liz, uh, of course, is known for her very uh, soft-spoken ways. And so... Uh, I'm a wilting you know, lilac. Yeah, we're going to get field. her cranked up. <laughs> and uh, maybe sometime during the session you can take another look at this. I do want to give a shout-out to Senator Young because he got taken to the Woodhouse by... Uh, by uh, the leadership down there in the Senate. I remember for, for that during the vote for the yeah, Senate. Yeah, just for sticking up for uh, what, he, what, he, what he knew was right. And they did the same thing to Chairman Charlie Barkley on the House side, who was the chair of the subcommittee on alcohol. They cut him out completely. So this, you know, I'm not a new guy on the block. I was in the legislature for 20 years. Uh, I'm not... I'm not uh, uh, sticking up necessarily for Senator Young and, and Chairman Barkley, uh, it's just, um, it's, it's, uh, all I'm saying is, is the, uh, to get this corrected, it's going to require some fairly hev heavy lifting. And I'm happy to do it, uh, and I feel very comfortable doing it, and I think that uh, the state is with me. So, one of the things that came up a few times during the meetings that focused on wholesaler relationships was uh, there was a couple breweries who posed the question to the wholesalers why, or actually I, I think just to the entire room, that, that if you replace beer with any other... Milk. Yeah, then that yeah. Was, was one of the specific ones was milk. 
it makes no sense on how things have to be done. And one of the, I can't, I don't know if it was a retailer or a wholesaler made an offhand comment about that. Obviously it's alcohol. It has to be regulated heavily and made some uh, reference back to prohibition. That was ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but as the person in charge of enforcing laws, how do you, how do you see the level of regulation that should be put onto alcohol sales? Well, we're always going to protect our kids. Yeah, there has to be obviously alcohol. some level. I'm not advocating any kind of change to drinking age, or so there definitely has to be some regulation. But at what level do you feel like if if milk you had to be just 21 to buy milk, but everything else was the same? Would you be cool with that, or do you feel that there there is more regulation that needs to be placed on the sale of alcohol? And Liz Murphy famously once said, "If you want to meet me, just put a Scotch ale out on your porch, and I'll come over." Oh my God, I've never lived that day. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yes, obviously there have to be regulatory provisions in there to protect the health and safety of the public and have some. Uh, basic regulation of the industry, but could we literally take all of the state and county liquor laws right now and blow them up to smithereens and write on a uh, relatively small couple of eight and a half by 12 uh, pieces of paper what we need for regulation and accomplish everything the public would want? Yes, but instead we've got laws built on laws built on laws that get down and say if you sell a beer that doesn't have a pink panther on the label, you can't sell it. I mean, it's it's absurd what uh, we have allowed to develop. A lot of it contradicts, uh, for one class, uh, what you've just regulated in the other's class. So it's a mishmash of, uh, I describe it as, as a uh, briar patch, and uh, I would uh, certainly support blowing the whole thing up and starting over very simply and replacing it with something that is, that is uh, much more based on common sense. Do you think that's something that will realistically happen? Because, no. I mean, it's sound. No, I mean, we've uh, we're, we got to be practical here. Liz understands all the dynamics down there. But is it, is, is it practical to uh, do what I'm saying, make Maryland the number one state in the country for craft brewing yes i do think that's possible but we're always going to have a certain uh, residue of uh, these antiquated out-of-date anti-competitive laws they're just you know it's what gets me about it, though, is that Maryland brewers still seem to thrive kind of in, in spite of the legislative chokehold um and and it makes me wonder two things you know, one for a state that is so incredibly proud of everything that comes out of Maryland. I mean, it feels like Maryland beer is something that they should be able to easily get behind in terms of put with the more dollars you put into Maryland breweries, the more dollars are going back into the community. Like this morning I was at Union and I was talking to Kevin, their head brewer, about Union Collective and they essentially had a problem. They knew they needed a new space. They couldn't find a space that suited their needs, but they found a building that was much larger that would enable them to bring other Maryland craftsmen and makers and to create a space where you know every time you walk in that door when it opens next year, every dollar you spend goes directly back into the community. And yet we're creating an ecosystem now where that's that's kept down. 
But I still love the fact that we're seeing people, you know, like the Kevins of Union yeah. and all of these other people who are still, even though Maryland legislators keep telling them, we don't want you here. They keep going, well, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're no, still going to do something great here. No, and Maryland is a great state. We're one of the richest states in the country. We've got wonderful assets. I can see why people want to be here. And you're right. The, the regulations and even the wonderful pro-beer states, the regulations are still there also in their own And yet somehow they still survive. Yet they still survive. <laughs> what I'm talking about is instead of the big neon blinking sign out there on uh, the top of Stone Mountain or something saying, don't come to Maryland, we at least put a sign up saying, we want you here. You're welcome. You're appreciated. The comptroller is the regulator. He'll show up to uh, help you cut the ribbon. Liz Murphy is one of our main bloggers in the state. She loves you. And once you begin to accent that and keep the... Uh, the, uh, some predictability and stability as far as the regulatory environment and the legislative environment, you're right. These places not only flourish in bad areas, they can really take off like a rocket in, uh, in, a, in a new approach that I believe Maryland uh, will adopt. What's well, I, I have, um, it, it doesn't make sense to me when you look at other parts of the country why you wouldn't want breweries there. They, the formula of craft breweries opening in a town and then being the anchor for a revitalization of that town have been shown over and over again. And then towns like Asheville and North Carolina becoming a destination for the entire like craft beer lovers throughout the entire country coming to visit. There's no reason why Maryland and most likely Frederick wouldn't become that place. Stay tuned because it's going to happen here in Maryland, and Liz most Murphy likely Frederick. Is, Liz Murphy is going to be uh, part of this whole uh, exercise, and uh, you're absolutely right that it doesn't make sense. Uh, but hey, welcome to Annapolis. Yeah, we had um, J.T. Smith, a former executive director of the Brewers, Associa uh, Brewers Association of Maryland, on previously. And I thought one interesting way that he he explained why the laws are the way they are really makes sense why things need to be changed. That these laws are so old, they're when the small uh, distributors, all these tiny small distributors need to be protected from the large mega breweries. And now that power shift is completely flip-flopped. It's all these small breweries that there's been consolidation and distrib distribution where they, they have the power and, but the laws are protecting them instead of protecting the smaller, less powerful brewers. Yes. And for those eight people that understood what Chris just said, <laughs> you know, you have my sympathies because it's a very complicated area. Once you get into the nitty gritty of it and, uh, basically just be assured that we need, uh, to change it in order to, uh, have the opportunity to properly promote not just the craft brewing industry. One of the things I like about Liz Murphy is that, you know, these issues tend to be compartmentalized and beer people are a little skeptical about the spirits or the winery people. This will benefit the wineries and distilleries also to bring 
Maryland crafted, Maryland manufactured alcohol products up to the front of the line and say, we, are, we have not valued you properly, we're going to in the future. Why is that good for the state of Maryland? Because a $1 billion industry, which it currently is now, could be a $5 billion industry within three to four years. If we simply could get out of the way and roll out the red carpet and say, come in, you risk your capital, you risk your sweat equity, you make great products, you're A-OK -okay for us. And Liz, thank you for having the breadth of vision to not just confine this to beer because it is also the spirits, the, uh, the small craft distilleries, and it's also the, uh, the wineries. And it frustrates me that a fellow politicians always keep talking about we need more manufacturing in Maryland. That is Duh. manufacturing. We have manufacturing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're trying to squeeze it by the throat. Why don't we get out of the way and help them? And yeah. it's what uh, it, Maryland loves agriculture, and it's an yes. agricultural product. Yes, you're Well, that's the right. thing that I think, you know, when you look at states like Virginia, they seem to get, you know, you see, when I went to the Craft Brewers Conference earlier this year, Virginia had the red carpet rolled out and they had their governor there and all of these different part, all the different parts of the Virginia um, administration, because they get that craft beer is part of the economic development plan that they need to embrace. And all you had was House Bill 1283. Well, <laughs> yeah. And the thing the thing about the legislation that makes me a little bit nervous, at least, and, and I don't know really how we resolve it when we start getting towards this upcoming session, is that it became a very difficult issue to explain. Like, like you just said earlier, get, once you start getting down in the weeds and it starts getting complex, like it's very hard to advocate for it. Because when I was explaining to people last year what happened, there were like five different bills. And you were, you were supposed to like part of this bill, but not yeah. like this bill, but this one's okay. Wait, now it's terrible. You know, and how do we, how do we as people who are consumers get involved and, and deal with these very complex issues that are sometimes intentionally made very complex? Is that a question for yeah. me? <laughs> well, part of it is not succumbing to the... Uh, complexities of Annapolis and and uh, just liberating ourselves from the back rooms of Annapolis and getting out in front of people and saying, here's what's at stake here. Here's the common sense solution. It's not going to cost the state money. It's not going to cost uh, the state any kind of uh, safety or other issue. Uh, it simply is going to promote a manufacturing uh, area, as you all correctly described, the beer industry. Um, that promotes jobs and, and economic activity. And it's done by people who happen to be the very uh, young millennial types that we want to attract into our state because they have so many other things uh, that they're involved in. So I think uh, my plan is simply to come up with some common sense recommendations, ask the legislature to con uh, consider them, and depending on what the response is, uh, well, let me just put it this way. People always ask me, gee, what's the big issue, you know, for the election or for the campaign? And I always say, well, what would you like it to be? And I can pretty much personally guarantee to the people of the state of Maryland that liberating the craft brewers, the craft distillers, and the craft wineries 
from this monopoly control uh, operation down in Annapolis is going to be a big issue in the next elections. And, uh, you know, we'll let the people decide. Because once you lay it out very, you know, simply, folks are like, really? Uh, you mean a couple of people in the back room write these laws? Yeah. And you guys don't get to, nobody gets to see them? Oh, no. They give it to the subcommittee chairman after they've written it. Well, nobody likes that. It's that machine kind of Annapolis insider stuff that makes everybody's skin crawl. So why don't we uh, bring freedom to the state? And uh, what do we have to lose? Uh, let's let's go for it. And uh, you'll be, uh, I think you'll be surprised uh, to the extent we're successful in moving it up to a frontier issue and, uh, you know, to a number one priority in uh, the ability of something like this to um, change very quickly. Have um, have you talked to, and we'll, we'll wrap up because I know you're, you need to move on to your next appointments. Yeah, I'm soon. saying things that are getting me in trouble. And, <laughs> so have, have you talked to um, people in the legislature? Do you have a sense that they're on board with what you want to do? What, with what you, what they think they might, you might be in the package of what you're going to propose? Or do you think it's going to be a battle of trying to convince um, people to vote with what you have shown the majority of citizens want as opposed to what the lobbyists are telling them what the best. Exactly. I think, you know, I said it before, politics is a stimulus response profession, and there is no more stimulating issue right now in the state of Maryland than freeing these craft brewers and letting them do what the state would has always said we want to let the private sector do. And I come back to my point. This is not the private sector that, that uh, is always seen around Annapolis with their handout. Yeah, they're but not they, asking for tax breaks. They're not. Ta uh, they're they, asking to sell what they're making. They would like That's, for their business not to be yeah. kneecapped. <laughs> so, uh, and as you correctly noted, what other sector do we cap? Do we say to the milk people you can't produce any more milk? No. Uh, it's the free enterprise system. So... That's what we're trying to push, I think, uh, with uh, your support, uh, Chris, from the podcast, which are always helpful. And people like Liz Murphy. Don't forget my new magazine. Which That's I right. Missed magazine. Oh, I'll, I'll give that? you a copy. It came out last week. I'll give you a copy before you leave. It's and the Uncapped magazine. Fabulous. It covers uh, all of the wineries, distilleries, and breweries. Right now, focusing on Frederick County, but we'll, as we grow the magazine, we'll expand to cover the whole state. Excellent. Good luck with that. And what's the name of that pub that is our... Uh, Roast House Pub. You need I'm, to go I'm check them stop, out. I'm headed over to the Great Frederick Fair. For yeah, actually, you can stop in and Roast House Pub is, yep. um, is in Building 13 for the um, Homegrown Frederick Winery, Distillery, and Brewery Showcase. Excellent. I will go by and say, uh, you sent me. And... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they can sell me something to take home. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta pay the tax though too. Okay. <laughs> Do you have Thanks, any? Everybody, anything Liz. to? No, I, I'm just uh, Liz Murphy. I'm still uh, Naptown Pint. Uh, I, I wrote the cover story for your magazine. Yes, there Liz we go. Did. So. Well, thank both of you for your uh, activism and for this social media, <clears throat> this communication through podcasts. Uh, it obviously is the future, and uh, you're doing something very beneficial to the state of Maryland. 
thank you for coming on and thank you for your championing of the brewery and breweries and uh, all of the craft beverage industry of Maryland. I'll just stop. If you're down in Annapolis, go to the Chesapeake Brewery and get one of their uh, fiscal watchdog beers. They brewed in in my uh, name, apparently. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a, quite good. Actually. That's one of three of them that have happened now. So <laughs> yes, far. I'm sorry. I have one. Well, I didn't know about the third one. I, I I do have one more question. I'll make it quick. Do you know of any other comptrollers that have had three beers brewed in their honor? I thought it was just two, but. Now that there are three. I'm very privileged and uh, honored by that. And um, I'm further pleased because all three of them that I've tasted have been delicious. I'm not aware of any. I I know there are others being planned, I think. So, uh, you know, some politicians get uh, honorary degrees at colleges. I get beers named after me. You win. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Mm